Welcome to the first episode of Thai Wandering, the podcast that wanders you through different topics critical to Taiwan. This first season, we will talk about Taiwan's history, the China mainland cross trade issue, the business dynamism and trade policies, and who can influence the dilemma between China and Taiwan. But first of all, what is Taiwan? I am your host, Julia Smith. And I will wander you through this episode. There is and has been a lot of confusion about Taiwan's legal status. The Chinese government sees Taiwan as a breakaway province under the one country, two systems rule. And they think that Taiwan will eventually be part of their country again. While some Taiwanese think this may happen in the future, most feel that they have separated from China effectively whether or not independence is ever officially declared and have no intention to unify with China ever. To understand this complicated issue, we need to have a look at Taiwan's history. Some scholars argue that the history of Taiwan has been distorted by Chinese colonial perspectives through claims as, I quote, in history and culture, Taiwan is an integral part of continental China, unquote, which can be found in the China yearbook as well as a Chinese white paper. When we look at the history of Taiwan, we see that the country has been ruled by six foreign regimes. The Dutch, who first arrived in 1623, the Spanish, who ruled simultaneously with the Dutch until 1642. Furthermore, Taiwan has been ruled by the Zhong family, the Manches, the Japanese, and the authoritarian Chinese nationalist regime in 1945. Some argue that all these regimes were colonial, and the claim that Taiwan's history is inseparable from that of China comes from the Kuomintang colonial government. These claims are based on political assertions, they are not based on history, and therefore Taiwan needs to avoid the Chinese framework of independence versus unification which you call the process Taiwan's decolonization. So, let's have a closer look at how Taiwan became a democracy. Globalization makes a country wealthy, and this wealth creates the middle class to be interested in economic freedom and democracy. Maybe we can even say that democracy is a positive side effect in globalization. Today, Taiwan is a democracy. But just 40 years ago, Taiwan was a dictatorship, under Chiang Kai-shek. When the civil war broke out in China, Chiang Kai-shek fled to Taiwan after being beaten by the Communist Party in China in 1949. Chiang Kai-shek, who led the Kuomintang, took over Taiwan. After Chiang Kai-shek died in 1975, Taiwan began to undergo a transformation. In the 80s, Taiwan started to make computer parts, refrigerators, and air conditioners, etc. The middle class wants to have more freedom, whether in their political rights or economic rights. 
Chiang Kai-shek's son, Chiang Ching-kuo, felt pressured by the growing movement of democracy and started to allow democratization. A series of industrialization policies was initiated that benefited Taiwan, especially policies facilitating an export-led industrialization, helping lifting millions of people out of poverty. So today we have invited Lucy Ting on the show. Lucy was born and raised in Taiwan, but pursued her PhD in business management in the UK. She's a huge advocate of youth spending time abroad and bringing back their knowledge to Taiwan. During this interview, she will share her personal experiences and understanding of the political and economic environment where Taiwan is situated in. Welcome, Lucy. Hello, thank you very much. I'm good, you? Could you tell a bit more about yourself? Where are you from and what are you doing? Right, uh, I'm Lucy Tain. I was born and raised in Taiwan. Uh, I'm now a assistant professor in the Department of Business Education, National Taipei University. And uh, before I was born and raised here, but then I spent uh, my postgraduate degrees and my first work, I all had them in the UK. And so I spent about roughly 12 years in the UK before I came back here about eight years ago. So Lucy, Taiwan has transformed immensely. In the 80s, an export-led industrialization was introduced, which helped lift millions of people out of poverty. The middle class wanted more freedom, whether political rights or economic ones, and by building capitalism, the interest in economic freedom and democracy rose. Do you think globalization and economic development played a decisive role in the shift to democracy in Taiwan? From my point of view, I think uh, rather than decisive, I would say it's a critical role. Whether globalization really is the key answer, I don't know, because in political science, there's lots of debates on that, right? For example, whether uh, uh, capitalism or globalization really transform a political system from a more dictatorship to a more democracy-oriented political form. That's unknown. Take China, for example. Uh, However, taking Taiwan, which is a smaller country, uh, we happen to be in the similar trend of that period of time when people demand for more rights to control their government, more have, have more say. And uh, that's when Taiwan was kind of exploring itself and its role in, in, the, in the political, global, global um, um, platform. So in the case of Taiwan, I would say globalization played a very critical role in, in how we transform from dictatorship into a democratic state. You also have some personal experiences with globalization, right? Could you share these with us? Yes. Uh, before then, in my grandfather's time, Taiwan was uh, a part of a colony, uh, colony of, of Japan. So at the time, for my grandfather, they didn't think that they were the so-called Chinese. They identified themselves as Taiwanese, which is kind of the descendants of like their predecessors all came from China, but speaking a different language, it was a different political system by then. And then they they were born and raised in the Japanese era, so they speak both languages and then they consider themselves as Taiwanese in the Japanese era. And 
Then my grandfather's brother, the younger brother, was educated in Japan. So that was the motherland by then. And maybe it was during that time, my grandfather, as well as my great-grandfather, they all think that we are as Taiwanese. Our job as the smart cookies in our village was to go outside, either outside of the village or outside of the country or the island, to get knowledge and come back and taking care of the rest. For those who cannot study or uh, either unfortunate to study or unable to study because they're perhaps not as academically brilliant. And then it happens to my, my dad. So my dad was educated in Japan. Um, he, he got his degree at University of Tokyo. And um, so he came back to Taiwan. I think when I was young, I asked him a similar question, like, why didn't you get married in, in Japan by the Japanese wife instead of over there? Because most people want to live somewhere that's more economically prosperous. And so he said that, no, his family is here, and he, he himself identified himself as a Taiwanese. So he came back, and um, then he had his, uh, he found a job, then also he had a dream to become a, a, a head of a company himself, so he set up a company, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. So uh, I remember he said that we should try our hardest, try to get ourselves better educated. And it just happened for me that the opportunity, opportunity was in the UK. So after I finished my high school, oh, sorry, um, I got my high school in Japan again and followed the, the traditional family. But after I came back and had my first degree in, in the university here in Taiwan, I decided to go to the UK to pursue my postgraduate degree. Uh, and then, um, then I got my first job. But I never really considered um, changing my nationality because of what my dad said. Um, born and raised a Taiwanese, and I'm Taiwanese at heart. And so a few years ago, when he got ill, I decided to come home. And knowing that it was a, it was a struggle for me. Yeah, should I stay in, in the UK where I felt really at home? Uh, I already set up my life over there, but I decided to come back for, for my father. And then I uh, again joined the university as an academic and thinking, okay, maybe this is for me, this is my chance to realize again the family principle of sharing what I've learned in Europe. And, and, and to my Taiwanese students, who are very much American, in this academia in Taiwan, it's very, very America-dominated. Uh -huh. So to share a different view of what Europe is like, it's a, a, so far, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Yes, thank you for sharing, Lucy. I think it's beautiful that you encourage people to go abroad to bring back knowledge to Taiwan. And it's part of your family tradition. So if I understood correctly, then already in the Japanese era, your grandfather, already there was already a strong sense of Taiwanese identity. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Lucy. Next episode, we will hear more from Lucy when we will talk about the economic and political relations between China and Taiwan. One thing I would like to mention from the chat with Lucy is that she mentioned Taiwan and especially the Taiwanese school systems are starting to Americanize. 
Critics of globalization say that globalization is a form of Americanization. And they see it as a loss of culture. Sometimes we want cultures to be frozen so we can treat them as an exotic place to visit. But shouldn't they have the same rights as we do? That's something for you to think about. Thank you for listening to Taiwandering and we will see you at the next episode.